I'm going to read these first 18 verses. I mean, excuse me, verse, first 11 verses out of child chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Cedron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oftentimes resorted there with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priest and Pharisees, came thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Our Lord answered, I have told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake. Of them which thou, gave, which thou gavest me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which thy father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Now our Lord Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. We know this is the garden he resorted to often. Only time we know anything about it is when he was, you find him in other places where he is in the garden praying. But he's in the garden of Gethsemane. Went over the brook Cedar. This is, David went over this same brook. It's the same place. But every circumstance in which you see our Lord Jesus Christ, they just gave us further revelations of his blessed character, his blessed person. David, when he brought priest last night, what manner of man is this? Revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, his person, his power, and what he is as a man, what he is as God. So everything that we see in this book, as we read at it and we see our Lord Jesus Christ, just more revelations of his character and his blessed person. And wherever he was, wherever he was, his personality, that unique personality as God-man, could not be hid. Just couldn't be hid. They may not have believed it, may not have rejoiced in it, may not have bowed to it, but it couldn't be hid. If he saw a multitude hungry, what did he do? He fed them. He fed them. When he heard the cries of a beggar crying out for mercy, he stopped. He said, what would you have me do that I might receive my sight? He gave them their sight. And when he looked on the fields, he used them as illustrations to reveal the truth of God. If God so clothed these lilies of the field, how much more shall he clothe you? How much more? And he would reveal the truths of God in the needs of man. And as you read the scriptures and hear his voice, Hear his voice. I remember years ago, 
My father-in-law died last September. And he is 93 and a half years old. He was, he, he was full of life. He, nobody had ever guessed him to be 93. He had a stroke on a Tuesday and died on a Saturday. The Lord took him quickly. But I'll never forget, he is 75 years old and he sat on the second pew. I got through preaching one morning when the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. I got through preaching and I was stepping out of the pulpit and he stood up said, Donnie, Donnie. said, I heard that voice today. <laughs> and uh, we hear the voice of Christ. 75 years old, God saved. And I'm telling you what, he saved him all over. <laughs> but oh, to hear, to see his, read the scriptures and hear his voice and his precious word. Then you begin to see what a wonderful, wonderful Savior is Jesus our Lord. And I tell you what, as we look in these scriptures today, may his wondrous, wondrous character and person be opened up before our very eyes. And here in the garden, we just see glimpses, just glimpses of his glory while he is here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even in our master's earthly weakness, in our master's earthly weakness, we see such power, such strength, and such glory. So let's just take just a few minutes and look at just a glimpse of our Savior in the Garden and hopefully see some more about his blessed character. First of all, let's look here. In verse 2, you know, our Lord has spoken these words. Then he went over into the brook Sedan, which was a garden. And look what it says. And Jesus also, which betrayed him, knew the place. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ often went over into the garden, and he went there with his disciples. And it says he often done this. And why our Lord would go there to do, he would go there to pray. That's an oftentimes where he would go to pray and take his disciples. And this particular time he prayed. And remember in another place it said all three of the disciples went to sleep. But our Lord prayed. And, I, and here's where he had a, this blessed, blessed, I, I don't want to say habit. But he had a, a he constantly had went off to pray. And, I, uh, and he had the spirit of prayer. Not only did he pray, but he had possessed the very spirit of prayer. And he had a place where he went to pray. And when it said after he had spoken these things, and the things that he had spoken was from John 14 through John 17. And he talked with his disciples. He had the Lord's Prayer here in John 17. And when he had spoken these words, he went over the brook Cedron, and he took his disciples with him, and he went over there to pray. And this is where he prayed till his sweat became as great drops of blood on this particular night. But he came to the garden for his own personal prayer to pour out his heart to his Father. And our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, you remember so many times when he prayed. There was a time he prayed when he stood before Lazarus' tomb, before he raised Lazarus from the dead. And he said, Father, I know that you hear me always. And so I'm not praying for my sake, but for them who hear me, who's going to see this thing, that it's you. And the power of God that's going to raise this man from the dead. I know you hear me always. And bless his holy name. Ain't you grateful? 
We may not feel like God hears us, but there's not a time that he doesn't hear us. Oh, the psalmist said, O Lord, incline thine ear unto me. Bend down and give me the ear. And you know, some people's talking such a, such a, a, a soft voice that you got to say, what did you say? What did you say? And you got to get down and listen. And I tell you what, God said, I, he, he would incline his ear. I got it. I want to hear what you got to say. I want to hear what you're pouring your heart out to me about. I want to hear what you're call, calling on me for. And our Lord Jesus Christ here, his father always heard him. But look what else it said here. And again in verse 2. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. Knew the place. Now, boy, you're talking about a solemn warning here. What a solid warning. He had been a companion and traveled with our Lord Jesus Christ for three years. He had been numbered with the apostles for three years. He went out and preached. He went out and done miracles. He'd done all these things. And he had seen the miracles that our Lord Jesus tried. He had heard our Lord Jesus Christ preached. He sat and heard his private instructions and professed himself to be a believer and had worked and preached in Christ's name. And Jesus and Judas, and it always says this about Judas, Judas which had betrayed him. And here Judas knew where our Lord Jesus Christ was. And I tell you, it says down there in another place that he stood with them. Look what it says down in verse 5. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with his enemies. Stood with his enemies. No wonder our Lord Jesus Christ and David said, Lord, what is man that you're mindful of him? And people, you know, they, the, the scriptures tells us, if a man thinks he standeth, take heed lest he fall. All it takes is a little bitty leak in a ship and sink the whole ship. And here Judas, Judas knew the place which betrayed him. He knew exactly where he was going to be. He knew exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ was going to be doing. And he which betrayed him knew the place. What a warning. What a warning. You know, that's what I read. You read over there and I believe it's in 1 Timothy. No, in Philemon where I read it the other night where Demas was with us. And then you find over in Timothy where he says, Demas hath forsaken us having loved this present evil world. What a warning. Oh my. Lord, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? God, I, I was in a black church one time, and they, they had a chorus that they sung. Lord, I want to be a Christian. Lord, I want to be a Christian. And then a second verse of it says, Don't let me be a Judas. Don't let me be a Judas in my heart. Don't let me be a Judas in my heart. That's one of the choruses that they sung. Let me be a Christian in my heart and don't let me be a Judas in my heart. And oh my, mm, I tell you what, I don't want to do that. He stood, and the scripture said he stood with them. And then look what it said also here in verse 4. Here's something about our blessed Lord. He went over there to pray. Went there with his disciples. And then it says in verse 4, Jesus therefore knowing all things, that should come upon him, went forth, went forth. 
Here's our Lord Jesus Christ, knowledge of the future. Nothing, nothing, nothing happened that he didn't know, even to himself. When he was on the cross, John 19, 28, it says, Jesus then knowing that all scriptures were fulfilled, he saith, I thirst. And when everything had been fulfilled, and the last thing that he said after all the scriptures concerning himself, he said, knowing all the scriptures were fulfilled, he said, it's finished. <laughs> it's finished. And our Lord Jesus Christ, it says here, showing his knowledge of the future. Jesus knowing that all things, watch what it says, might come upon him, perhaps would come upon him, knowing all things that should, should come upon him. And our Lord Jesus Christ went forth to see, and I'm going to say it this way, to see and ensure that all things would be fulfilled concerning him. He, knowed, he, said, he said, my hour's not yet come yet. But he went forth to guarantee and to prove and that he was who he said he was. And he went forth to guarantee, to fulfill all things concerning himself. Now, people, I tell you, this is no act of a weakling. It's no act of just, he's not, he's not a man who's afraid. No, no, no. He says, the hour has now come. Our Lord's not hiding from his enemies. He knew Judas was going to come. And here's what he said in another place. Judas, which betrayed him, walked up and gave him a kiss. Said, well, the one that I kiss, that's the one you take. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when you looked at him, you saw a Jew. A very small one, probably. Very slim, very slim man. Real dark-headed. Real dark eyes. Great white around them. And when they come to get him, he looked like anybody else. He didn't have no light from heaven shining down on him. There wasn't nobody saying, well, that's, you know, he, he could be right in the midst of people and walk away, and they'd never know he walked away. The only people that knew that who he was was the people that he revealed himself to. But Judas had to say, the one that I kiss, that's the one you're going to take. If they hadn't kissed the Lord Jesus Christ, they wouldn't have had a clue who they had to come after. This idea that, you know, they have all these pictures. I'll tell you what, these pagan pictures. Ain't you grateful that the Lord Jesus Christ, Solomon describes what he looks like? And I'm telling you this, he, looked, he was a man and nobody would know he was nothing but a man until he himself let them know who he was. John the Baptist said, the he that's coming after me is preferred before me. And when he come, he said, there's the Lamb of God. And he went by and he said, told Simon, Peter, and Andrew, follow me. Why did they get up and follow him? Because they, they knew, so he made them to know something about him that nobody else knew. There was people that saw him raise Lazarus from the dead and still not believe who he was. And I tell you, and just like it, 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 it now, just like in those days, he had to reveal himself to people, and he would reveal himself to one and another be right beside him, and they would not see who he was and could not believe it. And it's the same way today. He has to reveal himself to a man. He may reveal himself to you, 
And leave the other fellow right beside you sitting there in darkness. But I'm grateful he made me see him. Oh, I see him. I see him in his glory. I see him in his power. I see him in his majesty. He's not a weakling. And oh my, Jesus went forth knowing all things should come upon him. Now you keep John 18. Look over here in John 13. Look what it says here about our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it said in John 13, 3. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Oh my. All things there in his hands. And he was come from God and went to God. There he is. God put everything in his hands. Even this time right here. That's this time right here. Jesus knowing that the Father had put all things into his hands. And he went forth knowing that all things should come upon him. And I tell you what. He emptied himself. And when it said here. Back over here in verse 4 of chapter 18. It says he came upon him. He went forth. He went forth. He went forth. What did he go forth to? To be cut off out of the land of the living. He went forth to the agony of being betrayed with a kiss. He went forth to the shame of becoming a prisoner and being treated as a common criminal. He went forth to the humiliation of being left into the hands of wicked and sinful men. And he knew that all this was coming upon him. And then it says, Jesus knowing that all things should come upon him, our Lord's foreknowledge was absolutely perfect. Perfect. There were no surprises. Our Lord wasn't surprised when Judas came there. He told Judas at the table, what you going to do, do quickly. And he, our Lord's foreknowledge was perfect. There was no surprises. He knew his sufferings. He knew what he was going to face. And he went forth to face them. Huh? Knowing all things. He knew that God decreed this time from all eternity. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he come. It was time for him to come. It was time for him to do what God had decreed for him to do from eternity past. God decreed that he had become a man. God decreed that he would be righteous. God decreed that he had obeyed. God decreed that there would be a man that would come here. And a man would save sinners. A man would shed his blood. And a man would wash away the sins of his people. Now I tell you, God cannot die. But man can die. And man can't satisfy God. Only God can satisfy God. So God became a man. And as God, He could satisfy God. And as man, He could die. The God-man. And He knowed this before He ever come into this world. He knowed, He knowed that what He was facing, He knowed that He was facing the judgment of God, the wrath of God, the justice of God, the sword of God. All these things, God said, this is going to come upon you. 
And I tell you what, and he knowed all things that was going to come upon him that he agreed to in the eternal covenant of grace. Here we are. David described it perfectly last night. Two men. God deals with this human race in two men. And there was a covenant of grace. And you and I didn't enter that covenant. The covenant was between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the only way we were in that covenant as if we were in Christ. And God made this covenant with His Son. And here was the situation. He said, there's a people that I'm going to give you. I'm going to choose those people. I'm going to elect those people. I'm going to single those people out. They're going to be lost. They're going to be sinners. They're going to be wicked. They're going to be despicable. They're going to be shameful. They're going to be guilty. They're going to hate you. They're going to reject you. They're going to despise you. But I'm going to give them to you. Well, how in the world are we going to save them? He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Wisdom says, I'll make you a man. I'll make you a man. I'll prepare you a body. I'll prepare you a body. And when the fullness of time comes, I'll, I'll send you to be made of a woman. And I'll send you to go under my law. So that you'll honor it and you'll magnify it. But here's why I'm going to make you a man and prepare you a body. If you'll bear their sins in that body. If you'll bear their sins upon yourself. If you'll make your soul an offering for sin. If you'll be wounded for their transgressions. If you'll be bruised for their iniquities. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, I'll do it. And he went forth knowing that. And I've got to preach a message on this real soon. But the most blessed words, other than it is finished, that he cried from the cross. The other most blessed word he said from that cross when he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what to do. And do you know what? It says... I think it's in Matthew 10.30 where it says, no, not there, but anyway, it says, it says this, that there is joy in the presence of the angel over one sinner that repents. And when our Lord prayed, said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls were saved and there was a bunch of them, a bunch of those souls that was at the cross that our Lord Jesus prayed for. And I tell you not all that, but he prayed for me and you. <laughs> oh, he said, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. You smite them. Smite me. And let them go. And I tell you what. And our Lord Jesus Christ, he went forth knowing and to fulfill everything that was predicted in the Old Testament Scriptures. It was said that he would crush the serpent's head 
and the serpent would bruise his heel and he went forth knowing that it's time to crush the serpent's head and have my heel bruised. Oh my. And I tell you, our Lord Jesus, knowing all things that should come upon him, he went forth. And I tell you, we don't know all things. And I, I, I tell you, I'm glad that I don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. I really am thankful. If we knew the future, you know how we have enough worries and enough fears and enough anxieties and enough worry just dealing with everyday things. Imagine if you knowed what was going to happen to somebody in your family a year later. You'd have a whole year to have to think about it. But ain't you grateful that we don't have to know all things? But we know Him who does. To be in His hands. Is He going to... Would He ever possibly mistreat us? Would He ever afflict us with anything that's not absolutely necessary? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, when they, to, when they told me and Mary that that doctor told us, says, listen... You've got a cancer that this cannot be healed. We might give you a few months. Me and her both said, we rest that. We just said, well, we'll kiss the hand of God's providence and we'll deal with it. And that's what we did. What are you going to do? You're going to get God's, this is God's hand. There's a second cause going to take all of us. But the first cause is going to be Him. He's got my time. He's got the day I was born. He got to my daddy, and he had my name picked out for me. And he's got the day picked out for me when I'm going to draw my last breath and where it's going to be. And he said he numbered the hairs of our head. Who who could ask for anything more than that? You say, well, this could happen to you. That could, there ain't nothing going to happen to me. But if Jesus, knowing all things. Not only did he know all things about himself, but he knows all things about us. <laughs> and still loves us. <laughs> still embraces us. Still cares for us. And then look what he says now. Down in verse 5. Jesus, therefore, in verse 4, you know, Judas, First, go back up to verse 3 and just set this up. Judas then having received a band of men. A great, it says in one place, over 500 men. They came with torches and, and swords and lanterns and weapons. And Jesus, knowing he went forth, went forth to meet them. Went forth to meet them. And he said unto them, who are you looking for? Who are you seeking? Huh? Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this is a confession concerning himself. And they came to take him. And he challenges them. Who, you come, who did you come here to get? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And I want you to notice the difference here. They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And you quoted the other night. Is there any good, Philip said, is there anything good can come out of Nazareth? Is there anything? And then our Lord told him, said, that was Nathaniel. It was Nathaniel. He said, Nathaniel, when you were sitting under that tree, I saw you sitting there. Oh, you are the Christ. But oh, listen. 
They didn't acknowledge him as the Christ. He was just Jesus of Nazareth. He's just the carpenter's son. He's just a man. He can't be Christ. He can't be God. So he walks out there and there's over 500 men. They all got weapons and clubs and swords and spears and got lanterns all lit up and they come up there and this man walks up to him and said, Who are you looking for? Yeah. Jesus of Nazareth. You know what he said? He said the same thing that God said. Moses said, Who am I going to say sent me? I am that I am. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, I am? <laughs> oh, he just said, I am? I am? Oh, my. He said, I am. And look what happens then. He said, I am. As soon then as he had said this unto them, I am. They never, they didn't expect anybody to come. But I, this goes to show you the power of the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. And those fellows, they started backing up, and there's a big crowd behind them, and they all started falling. They all got to fall on top of one another. It's wonder they hadn't killed one another, they hadn't stabbed one another, or burned one another with those slanders. But they fell away backwards. They wasn't expecting a man to come out there. So when Moses, when God spoke on the mountain, I am that I am, Moses went down there and said, I am sitting me down here to you. And our Lord Jesus Christ called himself the I am seven times. Seven is perfection. Seven is completeness. Our Lord was perfect and complete in every way. And I tell you what, they come to arrest him and they went backwards. They backed up. Our Lord, with that word, he, if He just says, I am, and they backed up from that, what if He said, I, I'm going to send you? He could have just, with His words, said, perish you. Just get out of my sight. And they could have, He could have scattered them all. He could have killed every one of them with a word. He could have sent them to hell. He could open the earth up like a dead core and send them to hell, as Martin said, without letting them pack a suitcase. Oh, but they came to arrest him and they ended up retreating. And he just said two words. Just two words. I am. <laughs> when we say I am, we have to put a nothing after it. We have to do like Scott said, a donut hole. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> That's what we have to say. I am nothing. I am nobody. I come from nowhere. But our Lord Jesus said, I am. And they fell back instead of falling down before Him. And they should have fell down and started worshiping. That's what they should have done. But they didn't. They didn't. And oh, that's the same voice when Moses was on the mountain. And he is standing there and he is looking and this bush caught on fire. Just caught on fire. Flames start coming out of this bush. Brrr, the flames went everywhere. Just caught on fire. And there's flames blooming up. Moses stood back. He said, oh my. And a voice spoke out of that bush. He said, take off your shoes, Moses. 
Because you're standing on holy ground. These men stand on holy ground. And you know what? Instead of us taking our shoes off, our Lord shoot us. You know what He shoot us with? The preparation. He shot us with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He put our shoes on us. <laughs> he shot us with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But this is the same voice that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And what a display of our Lord's majesty. What a display. Just a quiet exhibition of our Lord's blessed and glorious power. Here's an absolute demonstration that He was the Word. All He had to do was say, I am. Such power in those words that those men fell backward. He didn't raise a hand against them. He just spoke two syllable words. I am. I am. And why did our Lord do this? Why did our Lord act like this and do this at this time? Well, that every one of them could clearly see that He was more than just Jesus of Nazareth. You come after Jesus of Nazareth, you, got, you come after somebody a heap sight more glorious than Jesus of Nazareth. You come after a Nazarene. But you know who you come after? You come after God. And you come after God-man. And I tell you, he wanted them to understand that he's more than Jesus of Nazareth, that he was God in the flesh. And here's another reason why he did this, that every one of them could see that he voluntarily, voluntarily, willingly, willingly delivered himself into his enemy's hands. They didn't take him. They didn't take him. He went. He went forth. He willingly done this. He did not resist this. He delivered himself into their hands. They didn't apprehend him. He submitted himself to them. He was not captured. He gave himself up. He said, Herein doeth my father love me. I'll lay down my life for the sheep. No man, ain't nobody going to take it from me. Nobody. Look over here. Keep John 18. Look over here in John 7 with me for a minute. Let's look at this together. John 7, verse 32. This is, that's what I'm talking about. They, they could clearly see that he's going to do this voluntarily. Voluntarily. Look in verse 32. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to take him. They heard that they, they're saying he's the Christ. Can anybody do more miracles than him? And so they sent men to take him. Well, now look down verse 44. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Why didn't they lay hands on him? They were sent to, to take this man. These soldiers that were sent to take him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? Why hadn't you already brought him? Well, look what they said. The officers answered, I never heard nobody speak like that man did. <laughs> I've never heard nobody talk like him. We standing there, and he spoke with such power and such authority. I wasn't fixing to interrupt him. 
Oh, he was, I, I was messed. He just, what he was saying just captivated us. And I ain't, I, no, you, if you want him, you go get him. I'm not bringing him. I tell you, I heard him talk and I heard him preach and I heard him speak and I'm not fixing. Bring him back. I'm not going to. And that's what our Lord Jesus Christ, they could not take him until it was time. And he gave himself over to them. And look down in verse 6 again. As soon as he had said this unto them, they went backward and fell to the ground. He can fell a man with a word or with a look. You know what? He, he fell us with his word, didn't he? He fell us with his word. And he could have sent them to hell as easy as they fell to the ground. Here's the situation. They were completely at his mercy. Not him at their mercy. He was at their mercy. His mercy. And I tell you, he could have just walked away. But he didn't come to walk away. Here's another reason why he acted like this. Look what he did here. Verse 7. Oh my. Our Lord Jesus. Then he asked them again, Whom seek ye this second time? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Our Lord answered and said, I told you that I am. Now listen to this. Listen to this now. I am. Now listen. If you therefore seek me, you've got to let these go. You can't have me and them at the same time. Uh-huh. Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Oh my, his own by covenant, his own by gift, his own by price, his own by power. No wonder David said, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes, causes to approach unto thee. And more we're his, I'm here, I'm his willingly. Are you his willingly? How was I become his willing? In the day of his power, he made me willing. And I've been willing ever since. <laughs> and I'm willing today and I'm willing tomorrow. I'm willing to say who He is. I'm willing to bow to Him. I'm willing to worship Him. I'm willing to acknowledge Him. I'm willing and longing to look to see Him one of these days face to face. Oh my. And I tell you what, He said, if you seek me, let these go. Huh? Now listen, our Lord Jesus Christ here in this situation, He's not thinking of Himself. He's not thinking of Himself, but He's thinking about His sheep. He loves His sheep. He laid down His life for the sheep. He's not concerned about His own sufferings, but He's concerned that they don't suffer. It's the shepherd. It's the shepherd keeping his sheep protected and guarded and from the enemy. Oh, my. And I tell you what, these men that were there with him, they would remember, they would remember the very last words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the thoughts that our Master had before they took him and led him away was for them. These are mine. They got to go. You can't have me and them at the same time. And oh my, does our Lord here act like a captive? You know what he says? He's acting like what he is. He's the king. He commands it. He said, you seek me, let 
these go their way. He didn't say, will you let them go? I hope you let them go. I'd like for you to let them go. He said, let them go. You reckon he's going to let them go? <laughs> he, he said, let them go. And oh my, let these go the way. Take me, but don't you dare touch mine anointed. And look what he says there. He said again there in verse, verse 8. He said, let these go their way. You have me. It's not just. It could not be just for them to suffer if I suffer in their stead. It could not be just for me to bear their sin and then them have to bear it. It would not be just for me to die and then God come and cause them to die too. Can't, it can't, be, it can't happen. And I'll tell you something else why he said let these go away. They can't suffer with him. Our Lord must trust the wine press alone. He by himself, he by himself purged our sins. He alone is the price of our redemption. The high priest must go into the holiest of holies alone, alone. And I tell you what, our Lord Jesus Christ, oh, what power he had to preserve them. Look what he says in verse 9. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. You know what he said in John 17, 9? Look at what he said in John 17, 9. Well, he's praying. He's praying. Look what he says. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. I pray for them you gave me. And he said, these are my sheep. I'm praying for them. And then let me show you another glorious glimpse of our Savior's person, character, and the way he acts. Look what it says down in verse, verse 11. Simon Peter, you know, he drew that sword and and, and, and I've heard people say that he was not aiming at that ear. When he drew that sword back, that fellow just, of course, our Lord meant for him to take his ear. But he didn't mean to take his ear. He meant to take that fellow's head. But our Lord had him move just right. He took, and they call him Malchus. He took that, he cut that man's ear off. <laughs> Slap, cut it off. And you, can you imagine the blood and everything went to gushing out of that? And how shocked he was. But our Lord Jesus Christ just said he just touched him. Fixed it that quick. <laughs> but Oh my. But look what our Lord said in verse 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheaf. Now watch this. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Look at the submission to his father's will. He submits himself up to man. Led as a lamb to the slaughter. And he reveals himself here as God. Oh, how supreme, how submission, how subjection he was to his father. Even to give himself into the hands of men. But oh my, here he is. Saying, shall I not drink the cup which my father hath given me? Here is the sovereign, yet a servant. Showing his power. And yet I'm going, I got a cup I got to drink. Here's the lion, here's the lamb. He says the cup 
which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? He didn't say a necessity is laid upon me to drink this cup. He didn't say that. He said it's a necessity is laid upon No, he didn't say that. He doesn't say my Father hath commanded me to drink this cup. But you know what he says? Shall I not drink it? Do you think it ever entered my mind, in my heart, in my will, that I'd ever do anything else than take the Father's cup, which he hath filled for me? Shall I not drink it? Do you think for a moment that it ever entered my mind and in my heart not to take this cup and drink it? Huh? His spirit and his heart didn't know how to do anything else that other than to submit to his Father's will and obey his Father's will. He couldn't help but do it. That's the highest willingness that anybody could be. Shall I not drink it? And what a lesson. I'll close with this. What a lesson our Lord teaches us here. Oftentimes our Father gives us a cup. He gives us a cup. And sometimes it's very bitter. It really is. It's bitter. Sometimes it's hard to take. Sometimes He gives us a cup to drink that that you say, oh, don't know if I'll get this down or not. I don't know if I'll get this down. But we can say, my Father gave me this cup. But we have to say, Lord, give us grace to drink it. He says, shall I not? We have to say, Lord, give me grace. If you give me a cup, give me the grace to drink it. If you give me a cup that's hard on my flesh, that's hard on my mind, it's hard on my faith, it's hard on my heart, it's hard on my soul, hard to understand. I don't have to understand it, but oh, if you give it to me, please give me grace to drink. And I'll tell you one thing that would make it just a little sweeter for us. If we said, my father gave me this. My father did. My father did. And ain't that what our Lord said? Ain't that what our Lord said when he said, if you being evil know how to give good things unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father Give good things to you. And it's good. It's good. It may not feel good. He didn't say it had to feel good. Did he? He did not he didn't say you had to act good about it. He didn't have to say he didn't say you had to rejoice in it. But he did say this all things work together for good. To them. Not everybody, but to them that love God and them that are called according to His purpose. Uh, we, we don't have to feel good about it. We don't even have to enjoy it. But we do know it comes from our Father. And bless His holy name.
He could not. He's too wise to do wrong. He's too good to be unkind. Ain't he?